How many of you are like, yes, Lord, take me to the forest, right? Well, listen, it is good to see each and every one of you here. Welcome to City First, and I want to take a moment and welcome everyone joining us right now from Cape Coral, Florida. Say hello to Cape Coral right now. Everyone joining us from God Behind Bars, Hardy County, as well as Dixon, and everyone joining us at of City First Anywhere locations. And just, uh, we want to say hello here from the Spring Creek location. Boy, it has been a great weekend, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but the Thrive Conference was, was amazing, and uh, God God has been moving, and I said today is just going to be an overflow of what God has already been doing over the last 24, 36 hours or so, and it's just going to be great. Well, we are in a series called Do Not Disturb. Do Not Disturb. Finding those moments of purposeful and strategic disconnection to be with God, you could say. And sometimes it's really, really hard to do. And, and, and the reason why is because we're so distracted all the time. And uh, during the pandemic, many of us had to actually start working from home. Some of us are still working from home. And it was a little bit challenging to do that. Also, even if you went back to the office, Sometimes it's hard to get your work done because you have some people that are a little chatty in the office, right? And they keep disturbing you and things like that. So there were some creative individuals that came up with some ideas on how to remain disconnected and focused. And here I want to show you some pictures. Here is an individual in the office. They put a sign on their back that says, please don't talk to me. I have no self-control. And I will talk to you for two hours and get no work done. How many of you right now by upraised hands say, that's me, I have no self-control. If somebody comes to talk to me, I will talk to them, right? Yep, you're an Enneagram 7 for sure. All right, the next one is this on the door. Remember, I'm busy and important. Do not disturb unless, number one, the house is on fire. Number two, there is a medical emergency. Blood in excess of one liter is required as proof, by the way. Or number three, if there are puppies, all right? If there's puppies, then it's okay. Otherwise, call and text, all right? This last one here I like the most. This one says this, unless you are the UPS, do not disturb. I'm pregnant, cranky, and will, you will regret it. And every woman that has ever been pregnant before probably says aloud, Amen. In fact, before the service, Lisa came up and said, I think I could have written that one for sure. So anyway, uh, sometimes we go to great lengths to find strategic disconnection uh, in this world of crazy. And uh, you got to do it. And the reason why you got to do it is because you need to be able to find rest and rejuvenation and creativity. And, and I, I tell you, you got to disconnect often with Jesus because he is the source of all those things. He will rejuvenate you. He will give you creativity. He'll give you strength. He'll give you rest. In fact, he even describes of himself as being living water. And when you drink, you will never be thirsty again. In other words, that's a metaphor saying that he will refresh you. And last week, uh, we learned that um, before sin entered the world, before there was pain and stress and all the things that we deal with, war and all 
all that kind of stuff that we deal with in our world. Before any of that, there was the Garden of Eden. It was paradise. And God had created four rivers in the Garden of Eden. And each of them had names and each of them had meanings. And, and it kind of sounds strange, but I, I, I'd written or read through the, the book of Genesis multiple times. I never realized that there were these four rivers. I never thought about it. So I started to study them a little bit. And we discovered that their meanings um, are very important when it comes to our disconnection to be with Jesus. And, 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 and you say, what do you mean by that? Well, the Garden of Eden no longer exists because sin entered the world, but all four of the meanings of these rivers are now found in the person of Jesus Christ, who I said describes himself as living water. And so we've been talking about these things, and I want to go back in the book of Genesis here, and let's real quickly read about these rivers. It says, a river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishan, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure, and Aramaic, a resin, an onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. And the third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So therefore, last week we talked about the first river, meaning the Pishon, and it it means this. It means increase. We learned that God put a river called increase in Eden that flowed. Increase, increase, increase. And you know, that's important because in Jesus, we now find increase. I talked about that. When you strategically disconnect with God and get alone with Jesus on a regular basis, you will continually have increase in your life. You'll continually see God increase in your life. Well, the second river, the Gihon, this river means bursting forth or gushing. That's what we're going to talk about today. Bursting forth or gushing. This is kind of strange. I'll be honest with you. Like, as I read that, I was like, why would God put a river in the Garden of Eden called bursting forth or gushing? And, and, you know, for our purposes today, I'm going to kind of use a word that maybe is a little bit more modern than bursting forth or gushing. This word I'm going to use to describe this river, breakthrough. Breakthrough. In other words, God is a God of breakthrough. Isn't it interesting? He put a river in paradise that continually flowed breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And when we find time with Jesus, we find breakthrough. If we have disconnectedness from the craziness of our world and we get alone with Jesus, we will find breakthrough in our lives. So today I want to share with you a story um, by, uh, you know, or of a person by, in the Old Testament named David. He's actually my, my favorite Old Testament character. Um, I, I feel like I can resonate with David when I read about David, his challenges, his, you know, all the different things he was going through. Uh, to a degree, I feel like I can resonate. And so David is, is really, in Jewish history, he's likened to almost like what we would consider our Abraham Lincoln. Someone who was a leader that is held in high esteem, who did great things, who was not perfect, but did great things. In fact, if you travel to Israel today, you uh, can talk to individuals uh, of Jewish heritage, and they will tell you that David is their most revered king out of all the kings in their history. 
And we find in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we're going to pick up um, a little bit later in his story when he's turning about 30 years old. It says this, it says in verses 3 and 4, so there at Hebron, uh, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. Turn the person next to you and say anointed. We're going to talk about that today. Anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years in all until he was approximately around 70 years old. Now, here's the thing. Uh, this is definitely David weekend. <laughs> And the reason I say that is, is yesterday at the uh, Thrive Conference, Pastor Cameron talked about David. Um, I heard that Pastor Aaron uh, was, was in a breakout session and mentioned, you know, the life of David. Uh, last night when I spoke to the youth and young adults, um, not knowing what anybody else had spoke on, um, I came with a message about David, and today we're talking about David. So today, uh, it, it is David weekend. If you're named David, it is all about you. Let me just tell you, we are going we to affirm you this weekend. <laughs> we're talking about David in a really a positive way because he really was a great man of God. And what does it mean to be anointed? What does it mean, anointed? That's kind of a churchy term, right? Some of you grew up in church, and you're like, you know, the anointing. What does that mean? Well, back in the Old Testament, when you were, in a sense, inaugurated, or, or there was a coronation where you became king, you were anointed with oil. You were anointed. They would pour oil on your head, and it was symbolic of really three things. First thing is this, is that that oil meant that that, that person was set apart by God for a specific role and a specific purpose. So when you were anointed, you were set apart. Second thing is this, is when you were anointed, at that moment, God was putting health and favor on you. Health and favor. So when you're anointed, God wants you to have health and favor. And health is not just physical, it's also emotional, it's also spiritual. Third thing is this, it was symbolic of, it was symbolic of God's spirit coming upon that person, in essence, filling that person with God's spirit. And so when you're anointed, you're filled with God's spirit. So this is an important, sacred moment, you could say, in David's life. Well, let's jump down to verse 17 for a moment. So David is being anointed king. And then in verse 17, it says this, when the Philistines, who by the way are the arch rivals, are the enemies of the country of Israel, the people of Israel, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, listen, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. Let me say that again. The enemy mobilized all its forces to capture David. What does this tell us? It tells us this, that when you are willing to be used by God, when God's spirit comes upon you, when you are anointed, set apart for a divine purpose, which means that when you make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, you are anointed for a divine purpose, guess what? The enemy takes notice. It gets the enemy's attention. Some of you have wondered why all hell has broken loose the minute that you started coming to church. Like all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to make church a priority. I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to start watching online from a City First Anywhere location. I'm going to be at one of our other locations. I'm going to start doing this. I'm not going to be this kind of like creaster kind of person. What's a creaster person? Christmas, Easter. Creaster. I'm not a creaster attendee. But rather, I'm going to be a consistent attendee. And then all hell breaks loose in your life. And you're like, what in the world? 
Or maybe, maybe you started to be generous, like you became a generosity rock star. Or you started to give the Lord his tithe and your offering. You started to say, okay, I'm going to be prioritizing the, my money. I'm going to give a portion of it back to God, 100% he's given to me. And the minute you did that, all of a sudden an attack came on your finances. You're like, what's going on here? Or maybe you decided, if you're a young person at, uh, at, at middle school, high school, or college, or something like that, you started to say, I'm going to take a stand. I know I'm in classes that they're tell teaching some of this stuff, and I'm, I'm just going to take a stand. I'm going I'm to share what my beliefs are. And all of a sudden, you come underneath like heat, and there's people like throwing shade your way, and you're like going, wait a minute. What's happening here? Why am I being attacked? Or maybe you're a person that, like, you decide to take a bold leap of faith with your business or your career or your family or your relationships, and all hell breaks loose. And you're super confused by that. In fact, you're even maybe looking at God and going, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to obey you, and all of a sudden, like, all hell break is breaking loose. Well, this is what I've learned. I've learned that your obedience gets the attention of both heaven and hell. You understand that? Your obedience gets the attention of both heaven and hell. And I know, I know when I'm doing something right many times or a breakthrough is coming because all of a sudden all these attacks start popping up in my life. And I'm like, well, you know what? I must be doing something right. Do not be discouraged when your life comes under attack because the enemy does not attack those who don't make him nervous. You hear what I just said? <laughs> and, and so guess what? Your obedience is making him nervous. Well, David is anointed king. The Philistines know who David is. You know why they know who David is? Because about 15 years earlier, David took out their war machine, took out their Goliath, the one who was like undefeatable, the one that, 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 that intimidated everybody. Well, little David, who at this point was a teenager, took out Goliath with a sling and a stone, and for the next 15 years, David is in a season of preparation. Talked about that last night, right? A season of preparation, and now he is coronated as king, and guess what? The Philistines know exactly who he is. He's the one that took out Goliath. They've been talking about him for years, and now all of a sudden he's king of Israel, and guess what? They're getting a little nervous, so what do they do? They assemble the armies, and they're like, we need to take this guy out. Now we go down and it says this in the second part of verse 17. It says, but David was told they were coming. Okay, let me, let me pause there a moment. I'll read the rest in a second. David was told the enemy was coming. In other words, sometimes, can't we tell sometimes when the enemy is hot on our trail? Can't we tell when he's nipping at our heels? <laughs> Can't we tell, like, something's happening? Like, David knew. David knew. He's just literally, he's just anointed king. And the very next thing that happens is, all of a sudden, an army is amassing around him to kill him. Like, instantly after he is anointed king. And so, he went into the stronghold. Turn to the person next to you and say, stronghold. He was anointed, and now he's under attack. And now he goes into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Raphaim. Raphaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. Certainly hand them over to you. You see... This is what I take away from this passage. You cannot stand in confidence against the powers of darkness until you are sure where you stand with God. When you 
If you know where you stand with God, then you are confident to be able to stand against the enemy. If you do not know where you stand with, with God, then all of a sudden you're not confident when you can stand against the enemy. David needed to know, God, are you with me? God, are you with me? He, get, he had to get alone. He had to get alone, strategically disconnect, go into the stronghold, get away from the culture, the noise, the Instagram, the news cycle, all the weirdness going on in his world. He had to get away and he had to say, God, are you with me? And then he listened. He listened. And at that moment, God affirmed him and said, oh, I am with you. And not only that, but you are going to be victorious. See, when we hear the whisper of heaven, we hear it in the strategic disconnectedness from our culture and our world. We hear the whisper of heaven affirming who we are and where we stand. We have to get into his word and get the word inside of us before we will ever realize a breakthrough. And David is seeking God in a quiet place, disconnected from the noise, in a stronghold and saying, God, are you with me? And God said, oh, I am with you. I am with you. See, we live in a world where acceptance is based upon behavior and performance. We're accepted at work or maybe in our relationships based upon our, you know, our performance or our behavior. That's not the way it is with God. We are accepted by him right away, but he loves us enough to not keep us the way that we are. He wants us to change to become more like him. So realize this, when you say, God loves me, he loves you, and yes, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you enough to not keep you the way that you are. And he is going to continually change you to become more and more like him. But the whole time he's whispering to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, in you I am well pleased, I got your back, <laughs> I am with you. I am going to walk with you, and when you can't walk, I will carry you. See, God is with you. Many times we get discouraged because we never get alone in the quiet place to hear the voice of God's affirmation, and so we're not sure he's with us, and all these circumstances are happening in our lives, and we start to question God. We're like, God, if you're real, then why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why is this going on in my life? Why is all hell breaking loose? And we don't take time to hear the voice of God who tells us our place in Christ. We don't get into his word and we don't understand our place in Jesus. And so we get really confused. And what happens? We become paralyzed, we give in to fear, and we question everything. Notice that David found out the enemy was coming after him. What did he do? He got away. He didn't try, he didn't try to fight the battle on his own. Some of us do that. The enemy comes after us and we're like, okay, bring it on. But here's the problem. <laughs> In our own strength, we can't defeat the enemy. We need Jesus inside of us. We need to know where we stand. We need the word of God inside of us to be able to combat the enemy. We can't just go do it on our own, right? So David didn't try to do it on his own. Secondly, he didn't run for his life. Sometimes when the enemy comes after us, what do we do? We're like, ah! And we're like running in terror. We're full of fear. We try to hide. You know what? David didn't do that either. He didn't give in to fear. What is the last thing he didn't do? He didn't whine to God. Some of us, and I've done, I'm guilty of this, that something happens and I start going, God, why is this happening to me? 
And we start whining to God. David didn't do that either. What did he do? He just very calmly went into his quiet place. He put up the do not disturb sign. He got in his stronghold, and he began to ask God, God, are you with me? God, are you with me? And he was listening for the word of the Lord. And what did he hear God say? He heard God say this, you are going to be okay. Some of us today, you need to hear that. You're in this quiet place. It's, it's church. You're disconnected. Even if you're in your living room right now, hopefully you're not distracted, all right? I will just say this. The word of the Lord for you is, you're going to be okay. God's got you. He's with you. And you're like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but I know this. He's got you. He sees you. He loves you. He has not abandoned you. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because when we, um, when we do this and we understand that we put up the do not disturb sign and, and that God says we're going to be okay, um, our hearts then are filled with courage. So God said to David, go fight the Philistines. You know what that tells me? That tells me this. It tells me that victory requires us to first go into battle. I know we love singing songs about victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. And we're like, yes, yes, I'm going to see a victory. Well, here's the thing. The only way you can have a victory is first you have to go through a battle. <laughs> I mean, that's... that's that, that's the stinky part of victory. The, the bad part of victory is you first have to battle. And sometimes I think we want to have victory and we're going to live as an overcomer, but, but we don't want to go through the battle. And it requires battle. God said, yes, I'm with you. Now get out of the stronghold and go take out the Philistines. See, there was an action step required. Do you know that 97%, 97%, of all creatures on the face of the earth are invertebrates. What's that word mean? It means they were born or created without a spine. 97% of all creatures on the face of the earth don't have a backbone. Speaking by percentages, looking at percentages, we as humans are one of the few creatures God created with a spine, and guess what? He expects us to use it. He expects us to have a backbone. He expects us to strengthen our backbone over time and to be able to use it. You know, an infant, if you have an infant or ever seen an infant, an infant can't hold up its head by itself. It can't stand up. Why? Because over time, it has to develop muscle and a backbone and strength to be able to hold up its head and to be able to stand and to be able to walk. Listen, when the enemy attacks, God expects us to strengthen our backbone, to be able to stand up, to be able to go into battle, right? The only way you can strengthen your backbone is to get into the stronghold, into the quiet moments with God, and hear what he says about you, and you start strengthening your faith muscle with the word of God, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, what used to scare you, now all of a sudden emboldens you. What used to make you run, now makes you fight in prayer, and fight in the word, and all of a sudden, you start having this backbone. David couldn't win the battle in the stronghold. 
He had to get out of the stronghold. And in the same way, you and I need to leave then the quiet place where it's do not disturb. And we need to know our position in God. We need to be able to pray and hear the word of God. And then guess what we do? We take up our sword every single day. And we go to work. We go to the workplace. We go to the job site. We go to school. We go into our communities, in our neighborhood, with the word of God inside of us and the affirmation of heaven in our ears and we march forward with boldness and with a spine and a backbone because I can be confident because I know my position. You know, in the last 20 months, we've been talking about this. We always talk about it every week because it's where we live. The last 20 months, there's been this pandemic and all of us know it, right? It's literally changed the world. Literally changed the world. Our world changed. I mean, what does your 2019 five-year plan look like now? <laughs> right? No one could have predicted this. And so now 20 months later, after around March of 2020 or so, the whole world has changed, but I'll tell you this, and I'm speaking now as a pastor of a church that, that is a multi-site church and things like that, and I'm keeping my pulse on what's going on in the nation. I would say this, in the last 20 months, the American church has changed too. And I don't know if the American church has all the way changed for the better. I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I just don't know if it's changed for the better. In fact, in the last 20 months, I have watched what I'm calling the wussification of the church. Honestly, we lost our backbone. We've lost our spine. We've given in to fear. We are as scared as those that don't proclaim Christ as their leader and Lord. I've watched it. it it's like, it's, it, broadly speaking now, broadly speaking, I'm talking the capital C church in America. I, I just think we become weak. And, and, and in the past, in the past, as I've studied church history, which is part of my educational journey that I've been on, I will tell you part of what I've had to do is study the last 2,000 years of the church. And I will tell you that when the world was in crisis, over and over again, the church of Jesus Christ rose up in those moments, did not shrink away in those moments. They came forward with hope and the gospel and said, Jesus is Lord and everything's going to be okay. The book of Revelation is less about charts and predictions. It's more about hope. Do you understand that? You see, the church... I believe in the last 20 months has listened too much to the voice of fear. The voice of fear that is shouting across our globe. Or they've listened to their favorite politician as if whoever is in the White House is your savior anyway. If anything, I'll tell you what, if anything in the last few years has taught us is that you shouldn't put your trust in politics. There are so many people that have been like, politics is my savior, okay. How's that working out for you now? See, our salvation doesn't come from man or woman. Our salvation does not come from politics. Our salvation does not come from government. Our salvation even doesn't come from science. Our salvation does not come from this world. Our salvation comes from the King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He is the one that gives us strength and protection and gives us hope. So listen, this is what I want to ask you. What does God say about this moment in history? What is he speaking? Not what the news is speaking. 
not what culture is speaking. What is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Who, by the way, by the way, none of this surprises him. He didn't wake up one day and went, COVID? What? Wuhan, where's that? None of this makes him nervous. You hear that? None of this makes him nervous. None of this has blown his kingdom plan off course, even one millimeter. Like he is continually just working his kingdom plan. And all this craziness is going on. And he is just, you know, this is the thing. The kingdom of heaven is calm right now and methodically marching forward. The kingdom of hell is chaotic and running around like crazy with their hair on fire trying to figure out what to do. Jesus is never nervous. <laughs> He's not even nervous in this moment. And I believe this with all my heart. I believe that we must take on the, the mindset of the kingdom, which means that even though things are not the way we want it, even though things are confusing, even though things are very disappointing, that we continually just say we are going to methodically be trusting the Lord and having faith, and we're marching forward because here's the thing. Jesus said in himself that upon, he said, I was talking to Peter, he said, upon this rock I'm going to build the church, the church, the church, and the kingdom of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail. So, so this is what I know. We win. <laughs> we, we win. We win. I mean, it, it, God wins. The church wins. And so every day we get the word of God inside of us. Every day we go into the stronghold like David. Every day we listen for the voice of God. God, are you with me? And he says, yes, I'm with you. God, are you with me today as I go to work? Yes, I'm with you. God, are you with me today as I go to school? Yes, I'm with you. And what do we do? We march into our communities and in our neighborhoods and into our schools and our workplaces with confidence. I want to challenge us to just have a backbone. Let's not be like 97% of the other creatures on the face of this earth, spineless. Instead, let's have a backbone. Well, the Bible says this, that in uh, verse 5, and, uh, and, or excuse me, in, in, in chapter 5, verse 20, the story goes on and it says, So David went to Baal Perizim and defeated the Philistines there. Now listen to what he says. The Lord did it. The Lord did it. Can I just stop for a moment? Whatever battle you're going through, there's going to be a day that you will be able to proclaim as a testimony, the Lord did it. The Lord did it. I know right now you don't see it. You don't see it in your marriage. You don't see it in your health. You don't see it in your business. You don't see it in your finances. You don't see it. But there will be a day that you will say with a spine that is stiff that you will be able to stand up and proclaim, the Lord did it. The Lord did it. He did it. He did what he said he was going to do. The words of this book became real and alive and materialized in my life. You'll be able to do it. You'll be able to say it. And what else did he say? He said, listen, he burst through my enemies. Burst, burst through my enemies. Burst, burst, burst. Where have I heard the word burst before? Where have I heard the word burst? Gihon. Gihon means to burst forth. David said, he burst through my enemies. How? Like a raging flood. Oh, okay, you mean that the river found in Eden is still flowing through my life? 
still flowing, that there is a burst, there is a gush, there is a breakthrough that is happening. David goes, the Lord bursts through. So what did he do? He actually named the place. He actually renamed it Baal Perizim, which means the Lord who bursts through, or otherwise the Lord who gives breakthrough. The Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. This is what I know. I know that the Lord is going to burst through the situation right now. The Lord will give you breakthrough. See, many of you, you need a breakthrough. This week, the enemy made me mad. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell by the way I'm preaching. The enemy made me mad. I was out of town most of the week. I was flying home on Thursday, landing at O'Hare at around like, I don't know, 6 o'clock at night or something like that. And I'm on the plane, and I'm, I'm just mad. I'm mad because I'm watching the enemy overplay his hand with circumstances here at the church with people I love, messing with them. I mean, all kinds of things. And I'm just watching. Every once in a while, every once in a while, the enemy overplays his hand. And I believe this. I believe the Lord allows the enemy to do it. It's kind of like Resurrection Weekend. You know Easter weekend? Friday, the enemy in a sense, killed Jesus. He had overplayed his hand. He overstepped his boundaries. Jesus was sinless. The enemy had no right, had no right. He overstepped his bounds. He was, he was, actually, he was actually outside of his territory at that moment. And then on Saturday, devils are dancing. They're excited. Look what we did. Look what we did. And you know what God did? God allowed them to have their party. Because sometimes the enemy is incognito, and he's in the shadows, and he's working in our lives, and we don't see it. We just think that we live in a broken world, which we do, but we don't see the enemy's hand actually work. And then every once in a while, he gets a little too bold, and he starts walking out of the shadows, and he's like flaunting, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. And the whole time, God is saying, okay, come on out, because Sunday's coming. Oh, <laughs> Dance, dance, dance all you want, demons, on Saturday. Sunday's coming. So the, God just goes, yeah, go ahead, overplay your hand. Overplay your hand. Some of you, you, you may have never realized this, but if you look back, the enemy has overplayed his hand times in your life. I can think of other times I don't have time to talk about, but I mean, I'm like, oh, this is the enemy. And you know what it does? It, it creates a holy anger inside of me. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is not right. This is not right. And so I landed, I came home, and I looked at Jen. We're sitting in my, my, my home office, or our home office at home, and I said, I said, Jen, I go, this is the thing. I said, we're going to pray specifically. And we talked specifically about very specific prayers. I go, in the next 24 hours, this is when I want to pray. And we began to do it. Next morning, in fact, Jen got, got up and prayed. I was praying on Friday morning. And guess what? We came back together, and Jen goes, I prayed. I rebuked, I rebuked some devils. <laughs> and I go, yeah, me too. And here's what I noticed. I'll tell you the reason why the enemy was overplaying his hand. It's because yesterday and Friday night, we had a Thrive Conference. Now listen, listen. I asked the team right before, I said, hey, listen, do we have any idea how many people, how many youth and young adults gave their lives to Jesus? Do we have any idea, even a number? And they all looked at me and they said, Jer, honestly, we don't. Because it was floods of people. Like we weren't able to count and last night, even last night after I got done preaching, I, I, I said, if anybody wants to find Jesus, uh, anybody wants to make Jesus Lord, 
leader, savior, king, come forward. And literally from that side to that side and even wrapped around the walls, there was a flood of people, of young adults and youth all up here that had come forward. Like, I don't know, this is what I know. Hundreds, hundreds of people gave their lives to Jesus this weekend. No wonder the devil was overplaying his hand. No wonder the devil was doing it. Why? He knew breakthrough was coming. Breakthrough was coming. He knew it and he was trying to create distraction. So you know what? Sometimes he overplays his hand and sometimes we have to realize that breakthrough is on the way. So what do we do? We get in the quiet place. God, are you with me? I'm with you. God, are you with me? I'm with you. And then we come out with our sword. <laughs> and we say, okay, I'm believing for my family. I'm believing for my marriage. I'm believing for my business. I'm believing for my finance. I'm believing for my health. I'm believing for the relationships that are important. I'm believing for my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters. I'm believing for my best friend at school. I'm believing. And we do battle. As we close, do you need breakthrough? <laughs> do you need breakthrough? This is what I know. That there will be a testimony that someday on the other side of breakthrough, you will proclaim like David did. The Lord did it. He burst through Gihon. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I know there's people that need breakthrough today. So many times breakthrough doesn't come in our time frame. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to go in the stronghold multiple times. Sometimes we have to be patient. Lord, I pray that we would set our faith on the truth that you will burst forth in our situation, that you will gush like Gihon means, that you will give breakthrough. Lord, I pray, may this message now take feet and go with us into our workplaces, our families, and our situations. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, you know what, that's, that's me, I need a breakthrough. We're not going to take time here. We don't have time. But if you say, before God, I want to raise my hand, I need a breakthrough in an area of my life, just go ahead and do it right now. Just put your hand up, okay? Hands are up everywhere. Heavenly Father, I pray specifically for every hand that went up at every location, even every living room. I pray right now that you would give supernatural breakthrough. I pray that as the enemy has overplayed his hand, I pray that God, you would expose him and that you would defeat him. And that Lord, we would remember our place in you. We are a son or a daughter of the king. We are fully loved and fully accepted and you have our back and you are with us and you will give us breakthrough, you will give us victory. Lord, build our faith today regarding our circumstance. And God, we're gonna stay faithful until we see that breakthrough. And at that moment when that comes, we're gonna proclaim God did it. He did it. He deserves all the glory. He is good. 
Lord, we thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Can we do that?